0: Decoding Future Leadership is an audiovisual podcast breaking open the capabilities, technologies, growth strategies and mental fitness required to lead our future working world. A collaboration between People Strong, the customer's choice for HR Tech across Asia Pacific and Fisher Leadership, each episode addresses the challenges of a hybrid workforce with a blend of human capability and HR technology solutions. Let's get into this week's episode.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome today's guest to the Decoding Future Leadership podcast, Professor Marie Bismarck. Marie heads a research team at the University of Melbourne and works as a doctor at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Her new book, Sharing First-Hand Stories of the Impact of COVID on the Wellbeing of Healthcare Workers and the Response of Employers, is due for publication in February. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Welcome, Marie.
2: Thanks, Therese. It's wonderful to be here.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Um, So to start with, could you tell us about your research, where the topic came from and how many respondents
2: you had? Yeah, so I've had the privilege of being an investigator on the Australian Frontline Healthcare Workers Study, which um, is led by doctors and academics. So Natasha Smallwood and Karen Willis are the two lead investigators. It's one of the largest studies in the world of the experiences of frontline healthcare workers during the pandemic so we sent out a survey during the second wave of the pandemic in Australia and nearly
1: 10,000 healthcare workers responded. That's amazing, it's it's been an extraordinary couple of years and I think there's been um, a bit of a spotlight on healthcare workers around the world, people going out and clapping to their support Um, But as a public health physician working through healthcare through the pandemic and I think Mm -hmm. working to support mental health as well and living through six Melbourne lockdowns, um, what was the most surprising finding for you in the research?
2: It was a huge research study and... I think for me, what was so moving was how shared many of these experiences were for other healthcare workers. So as I began to analyse these thousands and thousands of stories, I felt a really profound sense of connection that my experiences as a doctor working through the pandemic had been experienced by so many others in the health sector Um, So we heard from people in all different roles in the health sector, so everyone from hospital cleaners through to primary care nurses, through to geriatricians working in aged care, through to infectious disease specialists, emergency department nurses. So I think it was one of the real... Um, strengths of our study is that we heard voices from so many parts of the healthcare sector and the extent to which there was this really deeply shared experience during the pandemic.
1: So did you see that when you were looking at the themes that were coming out, mm. there was that sense of the collective humanity regardless of whether someone's, what their role is in mm. the hospital?
2: Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there were some really strong themes. Um, Some of the really interesting themes were around self-care. So as healthcare workers, we were inundated with well-meaning messages to look after ourselves and to take a break and to get enough sleep and to um, see our GP and I think as a healthcare worker, sometimes those messages really fell flat. You know, when people were so exhausted from providing clinical care, you're going home to try and homeschool children, you're dealing with the distress of being separated from family, trying to find the time for some of those self-care activities was just about impossible. And so what many of the healthcare workers said to us is that if you want to care for healthcare workers, you actually need to look at the system that they're working in and that instead of suggestions to do a lunchtime yoga class, it would be much more helpful to actually have adequate staffing or to have the ability to take a day of leave Or to feel confident that you had enough personal protective equipment that you weren't desperately worried about the safety of your family when you went home. So for many healthcare workers, they were saying, we don't want another wellbeing app. What we want is a safe workplace.
1: And so how important do you think the individual stories are to create systemic change? As a
2: researcher, I always think that you need the combination of the data and the stories and that really the way to influence change is by having both, that you need the evidence but also that human connection and our study really Grade does both. Seven, seven, oh, I'm so sorry, there's a code eight, in the eight, hospital where I'm working at the eight, moment. Seven, seven,
1: seven, but is okay. That's life. I think Marie. Um, yeah.
2: So, um, so that was a, a code grey in the hospital I'm working, which means that there's some kind of a threat of aggression somewhere in the hospital, and that has actually been, um, you know, a, a theme of of the pandemic that there have been increased rates of occupational violence. In hospitals, I think in particular, the visitor restrictions have caused a lot of distress among patients and family members, which sometimes spills over onto the healthcare workers working in the system. Uh, To come back to your earlier question, I think our um, study really provides both the quantitative statistical evidence about the distress that healthcare workers have experienced, and also the very human stories that we can all relate to. Um, So for example, in terms of the statistics, we found that more than half of the healthcare workers had clinically significant levels of depression or burnout or post-traumatic stress symptoms. But then when you read the stories, you really see the human side of that. So for example, a a nurse whose five-year-old child was in another country overseas who had not seen their five-year-old child during the pandemic because of the border closures. Um, That's, you know, a tremendously raw and and human story. Um, People who were supporting patients who were dying to farewell family members over an iPad while they had their own family members unwell in another facility. Um, so not able to visit your own dying mother while you're facilitating these final farewell conversations for patients
1: under your care. I noticed one of the um, chapters in your book is called Not Being Able To Hug A Dying Patient. Mm. And for anyone who's not working in the healthcare sector, I think it, it, um It's impossible to read that and not to feel a sense of extraordinary um, respect, I think, for the Mm -hmm. people who are dealing with this on a daily basis while going through their own challenges with restrictions and uh, and that. How do you see organisations actually responding to that? Because giving everyone an extra day off is um, probably not even possible even though people are absolutely Mm. exhausted because we still need people to be working in these roles. So how how are Mm. organisations managing that balance?
2: That was a really common theme, was that people were finding it so difficult to take leave. And even though the official organisational message was that you should take leave when you need it, the reality in many hospitals is that if you take a day of leave, the burden shifts onto your colleagues Or otherwise, patients miss out. So really, the two options are that you cancel clinics or you cancel operating lists, or otherwise you ask your colleagues to shoulder your burden. And none of those options is really acceptable. So I think we need to do much better at having adequate staffing to be able to support health practitioners to take leave. One of the really strong themes from the survey was that none of these problems were new, that the difficulty of taking leave has been a long-standing problem in the health sector, and that the pandemic really widened pre-existing cracks in the system. And so what we saw was an exacerbation of problems that have existed for a long time. So issues like junior doctors working extreme working hours, um, having lots of unpaid overtime, that's a really long-standing problem. The issues about nurses being underpaid and undervalued for the importance and complexity of their role. That's a really long standing issue, but all of these issues were really spotlighted during the pandemic um, to the point where we can no longer ignore them. Yeah.
1: So, obviously, your research is all evidence based and it's about collecting that qualitative and quantitative data. Mm. And I know that um, health services have their People Matters surveys that go out each year, and there were additional ones through the pandemic. Um are you seeing organizations within healthcare sort of leverage technology and um, people management systems in a way to gather the data but then to inform positive change for the benefit of the the staff and the patients?
2: Yeah, so certainly um so for example, I'm a director of a large aged care provider in New Zealand and we very much tried to listen to our staff to understand what would be helpful to them. So, for example, during the lockdowns, um, one of the real concerns for staff was childcare. And so trying to make sure that we could help staff to connect with services that would be able to support them around childcare, writing letters of support that they were essential workers to help their children to be able to attend school, being really flexible about rostering, recognising these additional childcare stresses. So I think that organisations who really listened to what their healthcare workers needed probably did better than those who just sent generic emails. Um, And we really got the message that different people had different needs as well, and that at an organisational level, it would be lovely if there was a one-size-fits-all solution, but that that was absolutely not the case. And that, for example, if you were a single person living alone, working from home throughout the pandemic, your need might be for more social contact and for more social connection. Whereas if you're working in a busy emergency department and then going home to a household full of people, what you might want is actually some quiet time to yourself. And so the needs of different healthcare workers could be very different and people really appreciate it when local managers and local team members provided the kind of support that was needed at the time.
0: This podcast is created by Fisher Leadership and proudly sponsored by PeopleStrong. Here's a
3: message from PeopleStrong CEO, Sandeep Chowdhury. We indeed are living in the era of talent economy. The talent economy, fundamentally for us, means looking at the world of work, workplace, and workforce very differently than what we've essentially experienced and known in the pre-pandemic world. We fundamentally believe that experience, collaboration, and data will actually differentiate the best from the rest. With that ambition, PeopleStrong has brought the first talent operating system to enterprises to essentially be able to personalize the employee journey right from the hiring into the learning performance and the career management stage of every employee. We've done that with massive amount of AI and ML that will bring in the right decisions for an employee and for the enterprises to essentially take the biggest advantage of the crisis that we're just coming out of.
1: Yeah, I think the message of um, we're all in it together did change a little bit to that understanding of how differently people were mm-hmm. impacted based on their personal situation. Yeah. I think another, one of the other challenges um, that I see is around this um People in the other focused and values-driven careers where their role and um, their life is to help others and to put others first are sometimes quite hesitant to um, maybe practise self-care or to focus on themselves Mm. because they can see so many other people in need. And I think that's a challenge as well when there is additional burden and additional Mm. mental health issues or mental illness um, appearing.
2: That's right. It's really unfortunate that we do still see some stigma around health seeking, even within the healthcare sector. So there were a group of healthcare workers in our study who were having suicidal ideation during the pandemic that on more than half of the days of of the week that we did the survey, they had thoughts that they might be better off dead. And fewer than half of those healthcare workers had spoken with a GP or a psychologist or a psychiatrist about how they were feeling. So unfortunately, there is still a culture of just carrying on and focusing on caring for patients um, despite your own really significant care needs.
1: Were there any solutions that you found, or any of the stories where people were um, were able to disclose? Mm -hmm. um, What was it that supports that?
2: Yeah, I think we learnt a lot about informal leadership. That often it was people working on the ground who really stepped up to help develop these solutions. So, for example, where healthcare workers contracted COVID at work and were placed in isolation, their team members would sometimes arrange to do daily doorstop deliveries of of groceries and organise a roster of people to ring them every day during isolation. And that was perceived as tremendously supportive. And often those initiatives were not coming from people with formal leadership titles. We really saw this kind of informal Leadership, where people were just stepping up to identify gaps and, and fill those recognised
1: needs. With your experience from reading those stories, and that happened in the, sort of the second wave,
3: mm. and I
1: think um, you've mentioned it's been pretty powerful just being able to, having to go through and thematically organise it. Are you seeing a shift now as we're coming to the end of 2021 mm. or um, after nearly two years of...
2: Yeah, so it is interesting reading these stories from the second wave of the pandemic. So the survey was done between August and October 2020. And I think that we all remember that feeling of bring on 2021. I can't wait for this to be over. And people saying, I'm so fatigued and exhausted. I don't know that I can take another three months of this. And here we are 12 months down the track um, looking at these rising cases of omicron virus and actually realizing that even in 2022 we're still going to be living in the pandemic so i think that sense of of fatigue and exhaustion is even more real now than it was a year ago you can only keep going on adrenaline for so long So I think that's been one shift. I think the other thing is that back during the second wave of the pandemic, attitudes towards healthcare workers on the whole were still very supportive that we were receiving, you know, lovely cards that school children had done. Community groups were donating meals or um, other tokens of appreciation. And so as healthcare workers, you felt valued and supported by the community and I think that we have seen some shift in that, you know, with some of the the protests that occurred um, in Melbourne. You know, there were some really distressing experiences that healthcare workers had where people who don't support vaccinations or don't support the lockdowns really became quite aggressive towards healthcare workers and saw them as part
1: of the problem rather than part of the solution. It is, it's challenging when you've got those loud voices and I think mm. coming back to the data can be really helpful when we, we know that we've got more than 95% of Victorians with their first dose and I think it's over 92% mm. now with the second. Um, but for those of us who, who really want to um, support healthcare workers and mm. are not working in the sector, what can we do that would be useful or
0: Yeah. So, you
2: know, the things that really stand out for me, I remember um, working in a public hospital, I was doing 24 hours of, of call. So I had been on my feet for 16 hours without a break. I went to make a cup of tea and I realized that all of the cups and milk had been removed from the tea room because they were an infection risk. And I was so close to tears, you know, 16 hours into um, 24 hours on call. And I opened the fridge, not expecting there would be anything there. And there were these lasagnas from an organization called Alex Makes Meals and Alex is a young man whose sister worked in the healthcare sector and he was worried that she wasn't eating well during the pandemic. So he made a lasagna for her, which extended to a lasagna for her and her friends. And you know, by the second wave of the pandemic, Alex and his team of volunteers were making tens of thousands of meals to donate to healthcare workers. And I can't tell you how much you know, a hot, nutritious meal that had been donated by somebody in the community who cared really meant to me at that point when I was so exhausted from being in full PPE all day, working with that anxiety. So those, you know, really practical, tangible measures of support meant
1: a lot. Thanks. Um, So, and with all those stories and your experience too... Um, what do you think we've learned from the experience? What what should we keep, and what can we do better? So I think
2: we really need to address some of those long standing problems in the health sector. So in terms of the way that we staff our healthcare services, the way that we value our nursing staff, the ability to have technology that works, um, you know, using faxes has been problematic for decades. But when you're in the middle of a pandemic, it becomes even more ridiculous that you're trying to fax information between health services. So I think lots of those longstanding problems need to be addressed. I think we've also learned some really important things about self-care. So what so many people told us is that the way that they nurture and sustain themselves is not just with individual activities, but with social connections, and so the ability to relate to other people and to feel that sense of of social connection is is so important. Um, You know, there was a lovely quote from from one healthcare worker who was a, a nursing student, and she said, sometimes I just want someone to hug and have a cry with. It's useful being with peer support, but I wish I could just be sad on a couch close to a friend um, and so you realise that, um, you know, we as people we need that human connection and, and that social
1: support to be able to thrive and to be able to fill up our tanks. Yeah, It's amazing how the simple things are the ones that come out, you know, a nourishing meal and that connection with somebody yeah. else.
2: Yeah, nourishing meal and a, and a hug with a friend. A hug, Yeah. And I do think that we need to reflect on the visitor restrictions that we've imposed. I understand that there were really important infection control reasons for doing that, but I think we probably could have been more nuanced and more sophisticated in the way that we imposed those visitor restrictions. I think, you know, for people who were missing out on really crucial life events, I like to think that there would be ways in which we could have
1: allowed them safe access to loved ones. And how do you see technology enabling a more human future of work?
2: Well, the shift to telehealth has been fantastic. Um, People say that within the space of six weeks, we achieved as much transformational change as would have taken 10 or 15 years otherwise. Um, And certainly in my clinical work, I have found it wonderful to be able to connect with patients by phone or by video call in a way that really suits them and makes clinical care much more accessible to them. So I think that's been a huge win and I've been really encouraged that some of those telehealth billing numbers look set to continue so that people continue to access telehealth services where it works well for them. I think that's been one really positive change. I think the other way that technology has been wonderful is um, strengthening people's connections with peers nationally and internationally. I think as soon as we were all communicating by Zoom, you suddenly realise that the number of people you could seek advice from was definitely not limited to the people who worked on the same floor as you, that you could actually reach out to anyone anywhere in the world. And so I think that it's made the international healthcare community feel much more closely connected. And we really saw the use of of social media with healthcare workers all around the world sharing the latest information, sharing what they were seeing was happening with the pandemic in their own local hospitals
1: and lending that support to others around the world. Thanks, Marie. I think, um, if nothing else, you've helped share a bit of light on the the complexity and the messiness and that humanity of what we are still trying to unpack and make sense of in the last couple of years, and I think it's so important to share these stories as a real historical moment as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so with that sort of a human connection, even with the restrictions of our human connection and I think using technology but bringing it back to that human level, um, in one of your, one of, I think this week, I read one of the articles that you recently published and the little quotes from people are mm. just so, um, such a richness of their experience. And I believe that the serv- or the book, came from your final question in the survey around um, is there anything else you want to tell us and there were 250,000 words that people decided they wanted to tell you. We were
2: really shocked usually (laughs) in a survey that final question is there anything else just gets skipped over and as researchers we were astonished by the depth and richness and power of stories that people wanted to share with us. And you're right, we had over 250,000 words of responses when we asked healthcare workers, is there anything else you want to tell us?
1: Um, I want to give you that same opportunity now. So as we finish up the podcast, is there anything else Mm -hmm. that you want to tell us?
2: Just that it's been an incredible privilege to be able to do This work and despite all of the difficulty and the exhaustion and the uncertainty, I think what keeps healthcare workers going to work is that really profound sense of purpose and contribution and knowing how much our patients have needed us during this pandemic. And when I look back on this time, There's a lot of tiredness um, and a lot of distress around the separation from family and friends, but also a profound sense of gratitude to be a healthcare worker and to have been able to make this contribution.
1: Thank you so much for the contribution on the individual level, but also for the collective and the voice. I'm really looking forward to getting my copy of the book and to reading all the stories, and I hope you have a really rejuvenating end of the year and you get back to family in New Zealand for a while and get to hug all the people that are important to you. Thank, Thank you so much. much for Professor Marie Bismarck.
0: That's it for today's episode of Decoding Future Leadership. Thanks for listening. We'd really love to hear how your workplace is combining human capability and HR technology to redesign our hybrid working environments. Please like, comment, share and subscribe to help us create a world of difference brought to you by People Strong and Fisher Leadership